Hello and welcome on The Barricades. My name is Bujan Stanislavski and this is the second segment of our conversation with Bujin Trajkov. Bujin Trajkov is here with us. He is a Bulgarian political analyst, political commentator and uh, a journalist and also a teacher. That's actually his main occupation. Right now, welcome to the program, Bujin. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you. Thank you once again for having me. Right. So we've had an extensive conversation about how things are in Bulgaria after the recent parliamentary elections in the previous segment. And we've spoken about the crisis, uh, the, the kind of, uh, I don't know, deathbed crisis, I would say, of the Bulgarian uh, left or in particular of the Bulgarian Socialist Party. Uh, and uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the political sentiment that actually stems out from the electorate or from the environment around the Bulgarian Socialist Party, but actually is transferred somewhere else. And uh, it's transferred mostly, that's my observation, please correct me if I'm wrong, mm, my observation is it's transferred mostly to a party, a relatively new political formation called Revival, and everybody's panicking across Europe in the media, if you see what's going on, pro-Russian fascist, and even the Bulgarian left, I mean, I can see people whom, you know, I, I know to some extent, and they go like, oh my god, fascists, you know, they're gonna come and kill all my gay friends, and, you know, which is like ridiculous histrionic reactions, you know, uh, to... to uh, to a party which, you know, you might agree, disagree, mostly disagree in our case. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's just an electoral process, okay? I mean, let's let's just be try and be, be calm here and let's try and be rational. But no, you can't be rational because even, even the, the establishment is, well, the establishment to the extent that we have a, a serious establishment in Bulgaria that is a, a, a co- cohesive ruling class, which is mostly oligarchic dependencies, uh, but but uh, you know even they they had to 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 display their panic and recently they've put together a letter an open letter an appeal uh, by various intellectuals you know journalists people of art people of you know all, all kinds of trades they come together and they sign this letter a, a, like a plead basic a pleading letter to the so-called Europe pro-European parties pro-European parties to put away all their differences form a government together to strengthen the civilizational choice that the great Bulgarian nation has made, you know, over the last two decades, subscribing to the European Union, succumbing to NATO, being part of the West, being against Russia, you know, supporting Ukraine and all the rest. Of it. So there's so much panic. And all of it, all of this panic is <laughs> like, I mean, it's laughable. Sorry, it's, it's just so comical when you look at it from... Um, you know, from here, right, uh, from, from, from the side, so to say, it's, it's so ridiculous on its face. I mean, why are those people panicking? Uh, can, can, you, can you give us what's your take on it while being, you know, there on the ground in Bulgaria, experiencing it firsthand? Is it, is it, a, is it panicking? Is it a psychosis? Is it, I don't know, unhinged reactions because people are just... Uh, train have been trained to react that way in this nonsensical political culture that we've uh, we've had over the last decades. What's what's your take here? Uh, to me, I think that this uh, kind of uh, reaction uh, is just simply part of uh, large kind of uh, mechanisms of uh, US, the U.S. influence, U.S. soft power, U.S. Uh, U.S. Uh, uh, projection of uh, of soft power 
whether it's through various networks uh, uh, for uh, changing public opinion like uh, NGOs and uh, various other think tanks and various other organizations. The people that we see in this so-called letter, they are not, nothing really surprising there. Uh, some some of these intellectuals to me seem like people who are quite confused. I I don't I mean I, I was surprised that there are certain actors that were Bulgarian actors like uh, that are uh, well known and respected that are in this letter. But uh, for the most part, we have expert NATO military experts there. We have. Uh, um really kind of like right wing uh, uh, i mean uh uh pro pro american political scientists and so on so nothing really strange there in terms of the uh what who are these people that are uh, part of, uh, of of this uh, letter this is not the first letter there was a letter before that when the war started signed uh by um uh, academics of in from in sofia university in uh uh, support of Ukraine and uh, declaring uh, Putin a dictator, and uh, which is, I guess, more understandable. But in terms of this letter now, I think one, uh, an interesting thing about the content of this letter, it actually has all of the points that Bulgarian, the majority of Bulgarian people are afraid. Reject. Reject. Sorry? They rejected. Yeah. They are afraid of uh, becoming a reality. They, uh, uh, you, uh, the Euro question, the question of uh, Bulgaria becoming part of the Eurozone, which is uh, something that uh, uh, majority of Bulgarian uh, people are strongly against, again, due to uh, if we look at polls and so on. Uh, the the uh, help of in, uh, the so-called like using the language help in Ukraine, which actually translates into probably uh, continuing uh, the militarization, continuing uh, the, the the sending of weapons, continuing weapon production and sending it to uh, missile production and sending it to uh, Ukraine, continuing uh, the escalation of the conflict, and perhaps even using uh, sending. Uh, being part of uh, NATO, uh, I don't know how they're going to formulate it, but sending uh, actual soldiers uh, in Ukraine, right? Uh, 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 this is this is the this is what uh, the, the letter is insisting on on on. Yeah, can we can we briefly uh, focus on that because I think it's particularly telling about the Bulgarian political culture, political life, pol the quality of pol politics in Bulgaria. It's like. We have a nation which is profoundly pro-Russian by Western standards. This is how they understand. Pro-Russian means like you're not fully on board with the West's desire to split and, and, and take down Russia, basically, right? So yeah, the Bulgarian society is pro-Russian. Bulgaria, the modern Bulgarian state, is a byproduct of Russia, really, or of its... Uh, of its actions in the 19th century throughout uh, the Caucasus and throughout the Balkan Peninsula and, uh, and the Russo-Turkish War. So this is, this is the emergence, this is the quality of the emergence or, or, or the formation of the modern Bulgarian state, which kind of makes it uh, well, symbiotically, in a sense, linked to Russia. And of course, this, this is how the culture and the politics and many, many aspects of the social life were, for, were formed uh, for the last 140, uh, over 140 years of, of history of the Bulgarian modern state. So, you know, obviously for us in Bulgaria, Russia is just a normal country and a country that we like, a country that we are, uh, 
we have brotherly feelings for because it used to be our metropolis for a long time, for the majority of the period of the modern Bulgarian history. And, uh, you know, that's what they've been trying to do over the last 30 years. The West, I mean, and its agents in Bulgaria is to change the DNA code somehow of the Bulgarian society. Let's make them hate the Russians. Let's make them hate communism. Let's make them, you know, be like the West. Let's make them embrace democratic values, you know, European values, if you like, Western values and so on and so forth. Uh, let's uh, make them, you know, a, a kind of capitalist-oriented nation, liberal-oriented nation, all those things very completely, utterly alien to the very notion of what it, what it means to be a Bulgarian. Uh, this is how it's perceived, at least, by the majority of the people in Bulgaria. So now what we are having here, obviously, is like the people have spoken to some extent. They have mobilized themselves among this huge apathy created over the last 30 years. Uh, the reasons for which I've explained in the previous segment. Uh, they've mobilized themselves to vote for a party which goes against the main currents in Bulgarian politics, but represents to a large extent the interests or the sentiments, not so much interest, the sentiments of the, uh, of the political sentiments of the Bulgarian society. And immediately you get you know, a conglomeration of people who have, who have positions in society, in culture, in science, who write a letter, who put together a letter and, and spin a huge hysteria around it, going like, no, never listen to the Bulgarian society. Never, never. This is the worst thing to do. You have to go, uh, uh, you know, you, you have to, to basically press and, and do everything which the Bulgarians don't want. Like, you have to go against their political sentiments. You have to go against anything the Bulgarian populace says and do it at any price. Forget about... That's what's in the letter, right? Forget about any differences. Forget about any petty, small fights that you, or quarrels that you've had. You know, petty, small. I mean, the democratic Bulgaria and continue to change coalition, they came to power opposing, being presenting themselves as opposition to get the Boyko Borisov's party, both of them we've described in the previous segment. Uh, they, so, so they came, they appeared on the political scenes, I mean, or they are members of the current parliament, I should say, as completely antonymic entities, completely contradictory. And yet you get those intellectual, intellectuals, intellectual saying, no, 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 that doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing in terms of integrity, nothing in terms of responsibility, political interest, that doesn't matter. The most important thing is that we all unite and embrace, you know, the West and we become the collective West and so on and so forth. So this is ridiculous on its face, but it gives you the, ex but this is the, the, the best explanation of the Bulgarian democracy in inverted commas, which is a completely non-representative process. Do you agree with this? I uh, completely agree. I just wanted to point out something to go back to this. Uh, um, I want to say a, a few things about uh, where this anti-Russian sentiment comes from, the so-called Russophobia. Um, I think uh, it's interesting that the letter is formulated again using the cliche civilizational choice, which actually started with the war. Uh, it started the war in Ukraine, by the way. This was the th this was what they told them, right? In 2014, when Yanukovych was asking, uh, sorry for interrupting you, but I think it's really important here. Uh, you know, when Yanukovych was skimming through uh, the draft of the contract to the European Union, you remember that? It was in 2013, I think. He was going like, okay, okay, I mean, all good, you know, European value. Where's the money? 
Where's the money? I mean, we were, yeah. we're talking about the money. And then, then, you know, the European Commission told him, no, 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 it's not about the money. I mean, money is such a petty thing, right? It's about a civilizational choice that Ukraine has to yeah. make. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, I thought yeah. it's just important to, to point it out. Yeah. But uh, historic, uh, to put it in a historical context, uh, the usage of this term civilizational cho choice in Bulgarian politics comes uh, with uh, the government of uh, Ivan Kostov, who is the architect, if not the architect, the implementer of uh, shock therapy reforms uh, in Bulgaria and the course towards uh, uh, NATO. Uh, and basically equalized with the European Union. NATO, European Union put together as if they're, you know, one goes with the other. Uh, anyway, so I think as part of the civilizational choice that Bulgaria had to make, uh, that included also these anti-Russian uh, sentiments. And I would say uh, to you actually that I think that uh, the reason um, why you have these intellectuals now with these letters and so on is because Bulgarian society still... Uh, uh, based on what is being, uh, what we are seeing from polls and so on, is still not quite uh, anti-Russian as these uh, forces of uh, Euro-Atlantism would like it to be, and therefore there has to be a, a, a manufactured, produced uh, Russophobia. It doesn't exist historically. Uh, which again, uh, we have to mention the liberation uh, the, uh, when Bulgaria becomes independent state as a result of a war between uh, Russia and the Ottoman Empire. As a matter of fact, all of the Balkan states have become independent states in that way uh, as a result of wars uh, between Russia and the Ottoman uh, Empire. And uh, uh, so all of the non-Muslim states uh, became uh, independent in, in, in that way in the Balkans. Uh, and uh, so, uh, and also we have to mention the period after uh, uh, the World War II uh, with the modernization of uh, Bulgaria due to the Soviet Union, uh, which uh, still uh, certain, uh, still uh, again, uh, with, uh, with the, um, despite the dissatisfaction of the Euro-Atlantics, uh, a large portion of the population is nostalgic about. And actually, this nostalgia is even, uh, interestingly enough, paradoxically enough, even uh, has, has, has increased uh, uh, through the years as a result of the capitalist transformation uh, of Bulgaria and what actually Bulgaria turned into, which is a capitalist peripheral state, very much resembling the Latin American uh, uh, peripheral capitalist uh, uh, states that were that that are under the the hegemony of the United States and Western Hemisphere has been under the hegemony of the United States since the so-called Monroe Doctrine, mm. which is basically stating exactly that. Uh, Europeans, keep your hands away from the Western Hemisphere because it's ours. You know, that's pretty much the Monroe do the Doctrine. So, uh, and which is now, unfortunately, Bulgaria has become kind of a, in this realm of uh, peripheral states. And because of this uh, situation, the anti-communist narrative was prevalent for the last 33 years. In other words, the re representation of the past in a very one-sided, one-dimensional way, without the nuances, without uh, in Bulgarian textbooks, in political rhetoric, in uh, media, in uh, cultural institutions, and so on and so on. So to create this sort of anti-communist sentiment that would then morph into Russophobia, because I think that's exactly what is happening, because for the most part, uh, uh, we still have 
uh, a lot of these voters uh, that are voting for those so-called pro-war parties, uh, let's call it as it is, mm -hmm. the pro-war parties. Yeah, the war uh, coalition, voting, the war coalition, yeah. Yeah, uh, are voting out of these, out of these still very sort of um, paradoxically enough uh, uh, anti-communist uh, sentiment. Communism does not exist. First of all, it didn't. It, it never exists. But the Bulgarian socialist state does not exist since uh, 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 18, uh, uh, 1989. For 33 years, there is no trace of communism, but anti-communism is still prevalent. And the fear of uh, uh, and, and this uh, ridiculous kind of uh, equalization with, uh, with, uh, of uh, Putin with. Uh, communism, which which again is uh, is, no, is ridiculous. Quite, uh, yeah, but but let's 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 not go yeah. there. Let's not go there because this is not yeah. going to you know we we don't have enough time to to analyze the, the yeah. kind of the weird constructs that people come up with. I mean, weird even by our Eastern European standards. You know, all right. Let's let's talk a little bit a bit about the object of that panic. Um, and and uh, I mean the object that that caused the panic uh, to a large extent. I think. Uh, or maybe fundamentally, I should say, the the object is the the existing uh, the Bulgarian society and and its existing sentiments, political sentiments. That's why I uh, I kind of I kind of tend to agree that uh, with with some commentators when they say that those people they are self kind of self hate self hating Bulgarians or they hate their own nation because. They really they, they want to do everything in opposition to the desires which we which are obvious. I mean, we know about it not only from elections but also from various uh, <coughs> polls and and so on and so forth. Right? Like it's it's uh, it's all a matter of public record. But uh, I think that the only organization at the moment that is expressing, at least to a large extent, expressing the the remnants of the political in the Bulgarian society. The remnants, because the Bulgarian society is not really political anymore as it used to be once, uh, when, like, you know, especially uh, late 80s, beginning of the 90s, it seems like we were already starting to resemble some kind of modern society with various social groups, different interests, well-defined, searching for some kind of political expression. Now it's all gone. Now we're like, you know, this ap apathetic mass. And the only remnant of the political is the kind of sentiments which can be, I think, attached to certain geopolitical models. And uh, I think that the prevailing, I think, I'm sure, the preva I, I, as I said, it's been, it's, it's been researched. Uh, the, prevailing, the prevailing concept is that uh, we should not be hostile to Russia. That we are a little bit like the Serbs, we are a little bit like the Belarusians. We like, we want the presence of Russia. We want the kind of, uh, you know, we want to be able to be connected to them. We want to be, we we want, we want a situation where Russia can also be a source of our development, not just you know European values, Western values, and so on and so forth. We want some kind of balance, peace, stability, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and uh, and it seems like this party called the revival is really expressing some of those sentiments. Now, can you tell us a little bit? <coughs> can you tell us a little bit about who is the leader of that party? Because he's a teacher. He's like you, right? A little, in a sense, I mean, he's a history teacher, from what I from what I gather. He's a historian. Uh, and, yes. 
Yeah, he's a historian, right? And he was, an he was director of the history. Sorry. Yeah, and an ethnologist, I think he's he's something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, uh, are you there? Can you hear me? There was some technical difficulty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, ah, okay. It seems so to be interrupting. There is some interruption. Yeah, okay, but but if you can okay. hear me now, the question is basically, can you tell us a little bit about this teacher, uh, historian, who is now a party leader, uh, and his name is Kostadin Kostadinov, and his party, the party he's heading, is called Vazrajdane, which means revival. So, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about the revival party and how, you know, scary, you know, the demons have gone out of the cave and are now about to eat up Bulgaria. So tell us a little bit about this party. Okay, so uh, Kustodinov, uh, actually, he, as, as far as um, I, if, 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 if I think he is both a historian and uh, he also has a law degree as well. Uh, and he was director of a history museum in one of the one, one city in Bulgaria. Like, kind of, uh, well, he has been a Used to the subsidy that uh, got as a result of the that they got from the party to build his own house and this and that and all kind of corruption. As I not, uh, I don't, I don't think there are any concrete evidence about that. Use him also of his uh, uh, wife taking uh, money from uh, Open Society Foundation. So he's <laughs> yeah. so uh, one of the main uh, kind of um, uh, focus uh, of uh, of the party in its political rhetoric is this uh, anti uh, uh, Soros. Uh, uh, anti-American foundations uh, narrative discourse, like this kind of like, which is not nothing new. I mean, that kind of uh, uh, discourse about uh, uh, um, uh, about American NGOs uh, influencing uh, political uh, parties, and uh, you know the the role of American uh, American uh, the role of uh, certain NGOs finance with American uh, money and so on. Uh, that kind of rhetoric is not new, but he, but they very successfully grabbed onto that from previous nationalist parties. And the other thing that I notice is also that, uh, first of all, uh, compared to the previous uh, nationalist for formations, because there were several, um, one of them uh, is kind of com was combining certain left rhetoric with right wing uh, uh, rhetoric uh, in addition to kind of like uh, romophobic sort of anti-Semitic kind of uh, 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 rhetoric. Uh, it also was combining this anti-colonial rhetoric, uh, talking about uh, uh, Bulgarian resources being grabbed by foreign companies and so on, which was attacker. And I think in some way they're kind of a continuation of that, but I see a lot of flexibility in Vazrajdane later mm -hmm. later on. I think I think they have uh, sort of like moved away from uh, from this kind of uh, very sort of uh, racist language and kind. Uh, I mean the anti-Semitic elements. This kind of uh, even even talking about 
uh, Bulgarian Muslims being part of Bulgarian societies and we are we don't have anything uh, against them and so on which which is which is in some way which is uh, due to I guess maybe Kostadinov's kind of realization that he needs to be flexible he's a flexible political player he he is but on the other hand there is a certain um, uh, not uh, uh, to, for for the most part they have been quite um, firm on their position not to uh, make any kind of concessions with other political parties not to um, uh, become any part of coalitions which was what destroyed the previous nationalist parties like being in coalition with Boyko Borisov for example yeah. uh, and, and so on. so for, so i think that uh, that is on the one hand the reason i think for their kind of rise uh, becoming a third political power and the other thing is the context the the actual the actual geopolitical context i think i think uh, in some way, uh, Kustodinov, uh, uh, despite uh, despite his whatever his kind of uh, 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 political phys physiognomy is, uh, he 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 was he had he had to act as uh, I mean in some way I mean let's let's kind of be Hegelian here because of the of the historical uh, processes that are happening right now. We have someone like Kostadinov uh, becoming uh, uh, sort of um, uh, becoming the becoming the face of uh, um, anti-war resistance, yeah, yeah. which is quite strange. Quite strange because, uh, uh, but uh, um, and and I don't know how this how his political sort of. Uh, um, uh, how he will evolve as a political yeah. player, I don't know, but I think he is evolving in some in in, in a certain way. Uh, yeah, it, let's let's just address here briefly uh, the question of uh, because you, you know I think it's really important what you're saying about uh, everybody sort of being taken aback by the fact that this guy is organizing this nationalistic uh, weirdo. Uh, uh, at least we're doing. Uh, at least until a few months ago, okay, uh, yeah. or two years, or yes, a few years ago, maybe he uh, he manages to grasp and 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 run on the profound anti-war sentiment in the Bulgarian society, and also on the pro pro state, if you like, uh, sentiment in a sense like people want to have a state, okay, like they really want to have the state. And they want to save it from from further falling apart. So he's running on that. And then you know you can see some leftist, I don't know, leaders or or like some people who like to spew their opinions on social media. Uh, they go like, uh, you know, oh, this is you know this is fake. This is not anti-war. This is not genuine. This is all this and that. And and this is a sham. And and, and it's all crazy. It's fascism. And so, and I'm like. Bitches, where were you? What have you done over the last 30 years, right? Like, have you done anything substantial in order to secure a leftist alternative in Bulgaria? Then maybe Kostadinov wouldn't be so successful. But now he's successful and you have a problem with it. Although he's running on the agenda that you should have been running on. But apparently now it's more fashionable on the left to actually support imperialism rather than oppose it. <coughs> Sorry about that. So now we have a following situation. We have a guy who is a strange political animal and he who's unpredictable to a large extent. We don't know. I don't quite, I, I don't entirely believe. He, uh, 
There is a problem with Sorry. the Come again. connection. Ah, okay. But can you, can you hear me now? There was a problem with the connection. I couldn't hear. Yeah, I said we have a guy and then uh, I lost, I, I lost uh, what you were saying. Okay, so we have a guy. We have a guy who is a very strange political animal. He he stems out of the of the nationalist circles. Okay, he broke up with the nationalists because they were they turned out to be sellouts. Okay, and and or even the Ataka Party that you mentioned, uh, led by by uh, Volin Sidorov, another charismatic but crazy, absolutely nutcase uh, politician who. Uh, who was anti-colonial and is supposed to confront the colonial powers. Then he joined Boyko Borisov's government where, you know, the entire the entire uh, program or, or the coalition agreement was just one huge prayer, you know, towards Euro-Atlanticism and, and the West. Now, we don't know what Kostadin Kostadinov is going to do. He might turn out to be a sellout as well. I don't know about that. But uh, he also... You know, he builds the entire the entire political platform around the sentiment which is related to the current geopolitical shifts in the world. But he seems to have very little to say about you know the economy. Like when you when you hear when you when he's asked about the economy, he repeats the same liberal nonsense. Like you know we have to create good conditions for the business and you know all the rest of it. So I'm not I'm not quite sure. Also, you know I, I don't know to what extent he is aware. That if he gets to power, if he actually becomes, you know, the first political power, which is his ambition, if he becomes the prime minister and if he starts actually realizing some of the policies that he's talking about, I mean, you know, he's going to, he, yeah, he's going to have to confront the United States. He's going to have to confront, uh, you know, the West. And I'm not sure he can really, uh, he, he really has the capacity to... Uh, uh, to confront another, you know, colored revolution in Bulgaria, or maybe I'm wrong. What, what's your take? Yeah, now, now I can't hear you. Now, now, now we have to. Yeah, just a sec. <laughs> There's a. There seems to be a bit of a uh, of a problem with the connection. Um. Yeah, uh, let's let's do the following. Let's do the following. Uh, I, I'll I'll just uh, take you off here, and then please use the link to re-enter our our studio. Okay, let's just do that. Yeah, so we uh, uh, we're, we're experiencing uh, technical problems here, but I think you really want to wait for it because this is a very very interesting situation that that we have in Bulgaria, and that speaks a lot about. You know the the dependencies of of a state like Bulgaria, peripheral capitalist uh, neoliberal state, uh, which is uh, manually, where the political process, internal political process, is manually directed by the United States. So, Bujin, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, I can hear you too. So please go ahead with your answer to the question that I posed. Yeah, but I could not hear the last part because of some technical difficulties. Ah, okay, again. Yeah, well, we apologize <laughs> about that to our viewers and to our listeners. So so the, the question is, like, this guy, if he really comes to power, which is his ambition, he declares that, you know, time and time again, I want to be the prime minister, I want to be the first political force, I will only support, you know, our government, you know, and this, I will not be a sellout, I will not make coalitions with the others. Okay, good. Now, let's imagine, hypothetically, there is this situation in one year time from now, he becomes the prime minister, He's got like his party gets 30% of the votes or something like that. They form a government. Well, what happens next 
is that the Americans and the other Western powers, embassies, NGOs, whatever, civic society, blah, 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 <coughs> they put together another colored revolution. How is he going to confront them? Do you think he's, he's, he's capable enough to actually, you know, First of all, I think, I think it's highly unlikely for him to, to, to be allowed to, <laughs> to become, yeah. uh, to get into power. Uh, everything will be mobilized against uh, Vazranjda in this case, against the revive, Revival Party. Uh, and uh, whether he'll be able to put down Kawar Revolution, well, we are not we are not even Venezuela under Chavez, right? I mean, uh, when when even even in that even when uh, the military was on his side, on the side of the people, there was still such huge pressure and so many attempts by the United States to uh, get rid of the Chavez government. Uh, here, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't see any kind of uh, forces. Uh, and, and I mean, and I mean by that not only uh, politically political activists, but actually really people who could defend certain uh, anti. Um, anti-NATO anti uh, course or anything of that mm -hmm. sort. I think that is absolutely, to me, uh, this, this, this is highly unlikely. Also taking into account the previous history of NATO with the, uh, with the uh, secret military oper operations uh, Gladio in uh, Western Europe uh, during the time of the Cold War. I don't know if your uh, listeners, uh, your viewers... Uh, are familiar with that uh, history, but it's quite fascinating that uh, uh, NATO was actually launching uh, secret terrorist uh, terroristic uh, um, uh, acts in uh, certain uh, European uh, states, uh, blaming the left uh, during uh, the Cold War. So they have a lot of strategies, a lot of uh, uh, things put into place to suppress any kind of uh, change of uh, course, in, unfortunately, unless we have absolutely major geopolitical change in uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, right. the, the, the current international system. In other words, uh, unless really now uh, we have uh, the, 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 the hegemony of the United States is uh, contested uh, currently, but it's still a hegemon in the European Union, and it's still clear. And that, in Bulgaria. And, in Bulgaria. Uh, and, and Bulgaria being a peripheral state, uh, some even call it new colony, which I don't see uh, why not. We, uh, I mean, uh, it, 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 to, to me, there, there are certain characteristics that uh, show that, especially in terms of uh, captured political elites, compradorio, not so much bourgeoisie, but more like a compradorio political elite actually even in symbiosis with certain uh, organized crime, economic interests, and so on. Sure. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I, I don't see how he's, he would be capable, someone like him would be capable. First of all, I don't really think whether this would be, whether, this, whether we should be uh, actually uh, putting our hopes on a, uh, on a political leader of a party that is, Hello? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Ah, okay. Um, a party that is, uh, uh, it is, uh, is quite uh, sort of um, mm, uh, unclear 
what kind of a political enemy this is, uh, 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 political animal this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but let me, let me interrupt you here for a while, because I was not trying to say that, you know, we as the left should embrace this party or something, but we should, you know, be carefully watching what kind of splits are going to emerge in, within the capitalist or whatever, comprador, if you like, you know, not so much bourgeoisie, class, ruling class, ruling establishment in Bulgarian society, because I think that what they are doing, and, and this is, the way they are helping us in, in certain sense, dialectically speaking, if you like, is, is that they are decementing it. Like, you know, I mean, there is like more and more uh, of, a, of a crack, okay, on this, uh, uh, on this structure. And uh, I, I think that uh, personally, myself, I'm not holding my breath. I don't quite believe they're going to they're gonna bring about any major change. But I think that through the process of struggle between them, who represent some, some, some kind of class, well, uh, some kind of social mm, sentiment, maybe class too, but uh, <coughs> and the confrontation between them and the hegemon and its agents, the the NGOs and and all the uh, all, all the you know the, the uh, yeah well the agents of of the West of the the, the American uh, kind of influence, they are uh, I think something something interesting could happen, and then you know another question is whether the Bulgarian left to the extent that it's capable of anything, can actually use, you know, the, the, the situation in its own benefit. That's, that's, that's a question here, in my opinion. That's why I, I'm I, kind I, of... I, yeah. I think that uh, uh, exactly in, uh, in my, uh, my, my personal view is that now we should be building counter-hegemonic uh, blocks, like uh, in a Gramscian sense, like building a block in a uh, in similar way to the United Front that Dimitrov uh, yes. was building, anti-fascist uh, block. And why not even using that word anti-fascist? Because uh, as we were, um, we didn't mention that, but there, there was uh, one of the major uh, mm, uh, kind of parts of the campaign of the parties that we just recently discussed uh, that are very afraid of uh, the revival party. One of their major campaigns was again to remove anti-fascist uh, monuments uh, in uh, in the capital Sofia, the, the monument uh, of the Soviet army, the liberators of uh, 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 Europe from uh, uh, fascism. So um, there is, the, fascism is coming through the back door, not, maybe even not through the back door, maybe it's even coming through the, through the front door. So we can think about building a counter-hegemonic block and why not together with Vazrajane? If Vazrajane have been transformed, are willing to transform the, the, themselves, uh, they are willing to be, uh, to be kind of, uh, you know, going a political change, uh, uh, why not? Maybe, uh, maybe not with all of the uh, with with the party itself, maybe with certain uh, political activists from or or, or 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 whoever, but but people should be. Uh, but now we should be co uh, concentrating on creating a more uh, like a yeah counter hegemonic unity. Exactly, yeah, an anti-fascist front. I like it, and on this on this uh, particular note, which is an optimistic one uh, and and a great appeal, I think we should end the program. Uh, 
uh, we've gone over our time anyway. So yeah. thank you, Bajain, for participating. Thank you for all the fascinating uh, takes that you've presented here for your comments and for your insights. Thank you very much. And to our viewers and our listeners and our readers, thank you very much for being here with us. Please uh, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, all the buttons that are you know required by whatever platform you're watching us or listening us to from. And uh, please consider donating via PayPal, Patreon, or uh, via paid subscription through our Substack profile. Thank you very much. See you sometime soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.